All right, let's hit the field. All right. Just wanted to talk, that's all. Today is February 13th, and baseball begins this week as pitchers and catchers around Major League Baseball officially report to camp. Tonight, I'm joined by Ryan Garcia of Fireside Yankees, and we're going to preview the 2024 season, what we're most excited about, what we're most worried about, and most importantly, whether or not the Yankees actually have enough to get back to the World Series. Baseball is back, and so are we. This is NYY Recaps. Welcome to Yankee Stadium. Just when they thought I was out. Hey, pull me back in. <laughs> All right. Ryan, do you hear that? That is the sound of baseball coming back. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Excited to be on the show. And yeah, man, dude, I'm so pumped to have baseball back. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be a fun year and uh, lots of walk- watch this spring training. There was a great quote. I forget who said it, but uh, it was he was a baseball guy. And they asked him, what do you do during the winter? And he said, I stare out the window and I wait for spring. And that's how I feel. Uh, so... Ryan Garcia, Fireside Yankees, you guys have uh, some tremendous content. you got the best thumbnails in the business, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about uh, the 2024 season. But before we get started tonight, a few quick announcements. Got another podcast coming on Thursday. We've got Eric Kratz coming on to talk about the catching situation from foul territory, former Yankee, and so forth. Uh, And also, my buddy and I launched another podcast, which is mostly about movies. It's called We Are The Dudes. It's available on YouTube and other platforms. And uh, I'll throw up the link in the comments when this is over. So, Ryan, we got 12 days until the Yankees take the field for an actual spring training game. It's hard to believe. But what are you going to be kind of keeping a close eye on this spring? Yeah, so my answer every spring is pitchers, pitching velocity, whatever new pitches they've got, because I feel like that's the thing that translates most to the regular season. I'm not saying that, like, hitting performance doesn't matter. If you go, like, 0 for 50 in spring training – you know, I'm going to have some concerns, uh, but when it comes to pitchers, right, like velocity kind of sticks, right? If you're throwing a little bit harder in the spring than you've ever thrown before, that's really notable, right? Like Clark Schmidt throwing a cutter, that's extremely important. That's, you know, new information. Uh, whereas, you know, when it comes to hitters, unless you're throwing out a new stance, and we rarely see that, like I know Donaldson tried a new stance last year, didn't really result to anything. Same thing with Hicks, <laughs> he kind of made some changes. Didn't really result to anything with the Yankees, uh, at least. Um, so, you know, those things kind of, I'm not saying I don't want to like, I want to diminish anything hitters do in the offseason, but more so those changes are things we see throughout the course of a full season. For pitchers, it's kind of instant. It's like, oh, this guy's throwing harder. This guy's got, you know, a new pitch. He's, you know, throwing this pitch a little bit more. So I, I pay attention a lot more to pitchers than hitters during spring training for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I don't put a lot of stock in spring training performance in terms of numbers. I mean, we saw Kyle Higashioka and Oswaldo Cabrera both lead the team in home runs in the springtime. It doesn't matter very much. But there is one thing I do want to see from a position player, and that is Anthony Rizzo. I want to see him hitting the ball hard. I saw him taking some BP today. I want to see that he's got his timing back because we know that that concussion syndrome threw off his reaction time, and he was just garbage basically for two and a half months I want to see what John Carlo looks like we've heard that he's lost a lot of weight uh, Carlos Rodon obviously lost 40 pounds this winter Glaber Torres and Juan Soto in contract seasons Verdugo also in a contract season I imagine they'll all be in good shape so I look at what kind of shape guys are in you know do they look ready do they look motivated 
Very rarely does someone come in and mash from the beginning of spring training and it carry on through the regular season. That just doesn't usually happen. I can think of a couple of times. If you remember 2017, Aaron Judge comes to spring training. First pitch, he hit it off the top of the scoreboard. This is when he was... uh, he was kind of a question mark coming into the season, and that was kind of like him announcing his presence with authority. Uh, and this is a bit before your time, but Tino Martinez in 97 was on fire throughout spring training and ended up carrying that over through the season. I think he hit three home runs in the second game of the year against Seattle. So I'm looking for those type of things. Nestor Cortez, what kind of condition is he in? And like you said, the velocity, does he have that crispness on his pitches? And I'm also very interested in the catching battle. you have any thoughts on the uh, catching battle? Three, three guys for two spots. Yeah, so uh, for Ben Wartvet, it's obviously very unfortunate. The odds are very much stacked against him, but a couple of variables to note. Number one, Austin Wells actually missed most of spring training last year with a rib injury. He has dealt with injuries in his minor league career. Not to say that he's not going to stay healthy this year, but, you know, he's a catcher. They, it's a position where you get banged up. It is notable. Uh, I think Trevino is going to get the majority of the reps to open up just because he's the guy who Garrett Cole relies on. I also think that Marcus Stroman, it makes a lot of sense for Marcus Stroman to throw to Jose Trevino. I think where Jose Trevino, you know, lives in terms of his framing, it's bottom of the zone pitches. That's also where you typically see the most stolen strikes. And Stroman lives in the bottom of the, of the, of the strike zone. So I think yeah. Trevino, Stroman, that makes a lot of sense. Rudon likes throwing to Wells. That's awesome because you at least have one guy that you know is going to be a guy that Wells that he actually prefers Wells. He's at a little bit of a disadvantage just because of the defense. The Yankees love defensive first catchers. Um, and I'm not saying Wells can't handle himself behind the plate, but I do think Trevino, at least in the beginning, will get the edge. And I think Wells will kind of play his well, way into more reps. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hashing this out with Kratz because the way I look at it, you know, Rortvet kind of helped Garrett Cole get over the hump for the Cy Young. Those last several starts, they were outstanding together. How easy is it going to be for Garrett Cole to give that up? I mean, obviously, Trevino's great. He's thrown to Trevino a lot, so it shouldn't be that much of an issue. But, you know, having that guy who's available on the roster uh, could be helpful. So, assuming everything goes to plan, which it never does, but, you know, hope springs eternal, uh, what has got you most excited this season? Is it Cole taking another run at a Cy Young? Is it Judge going for 60 again? Is it Soto's first and possibly only season in pinstripes? Uh, You know, And this question goes to the audience, too, so feel free to comment. You know, what's got you most excited about this year? I'm going to say it's Juan Soto. Like, just the fact that Juan Soto's on the team. I'm going to be honest with you, and I think I tweeted this a few times as well. Had the Yankees not gotten Juan Soto, had, like, another team got Juan Soto, the offseason, I don't care what they did outside of that, it would have been a failure. I mean, they needed a left-handed hitter of the caliber and ilk of Juan Soto. It kind of, it, it did change the energy a little bit. Um, I know, obviously, Yamamoto going to the Dodgers didn't feel great. I'm not going to, it does not feel good. Uh, but when you look at Juan Soto, when you look at what he provides, when you look at the lack of left-handed hitting, I mean, I, I looked at this metric. I, I think that the only, so Posada's a switch hitter, so it doesn't count. I only looked at left-handed hitters. I believe Giambi's the last guy to have like a 150 WRC plus from left-handed side. And I think he did it before I was even born. So Juan Soto <laughs> will be the best left-handed hitter in my lifetime to ever play for the New York Yankees, which seems crazy to say because of right field. And look, I'm a big numbers guy. You know that. But it, it is silly that the Yankees have had a lot of quality left-handed hitting. Pretty sure they had like a 280 OBP from their lefties. They didn't hit righties well last year. Soto is, I mean, it's 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 so much better to have Juan Soto penciled in there instead of like, all right, is Cordero hitting fifth today? Is Bowers leading off? Like, so no respect to those guys. But it's, I mean, this is a different caliber of player. You know, I would have thought that Robinson Cano was up there better than Giambi in terms of those numbers. He had some big seasons, but, uh, you know, I haven't dug into it. But Giambi was, when he first came to the Yankees, go watch some of those highlights, man. This guy hit nukes 
Just absolutely. He was a, he was my favorite type of player from that era. Just a big roided hairy monster who just wanted to put the ball in the seats. Uh, you know, obviously we all have our, our, you know, our feelings about steroids, but hell, it was fun to watch. It was a fun era of baseball. Uh, for me, I, I think I'm going with Jason Dominguez. Obviously he's hurt, but you know, seeing him warm up today and, and, and start to get back at it just kind of brought back memories of, you know, how good he looked. And, and you know, we've been talking him his, his praises for years on this channel. I'm a big fan of Dominguez. And he kind of reminds me of prime Bernie Williams in the way he carries himself. He's very relaxed. He's, uh, you know, you see him smiling all the time and loose. And I make this comparison all the time. I told this to uh, Max Goodman. There's this movie called Air, and it's uh, about the Jordan shoe. Have you seen it? So there's a scene where he's pointing out how Michael Jordan is all relaxed. He's expecting the ball. He's loose, even though it's a big moment. I kind of got that feeling with Dominguez. You know, in spring training, all eyes were on him, and he mashed. You call him up, all eyes are on him, and he mashed. He seemed to get better the more important the situation. I just think he's going to be one of those special players, and I'm not even going off of his skill set, which is obviously fabulous. Just the the demeanor, his disposition just reads very well, and he looks very comfortable. Obviously, also, Aaron Judge, if he's healthy, 50 home runs for him is like a layup, right? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Aaron Judge's power numbers are just like, they're ridiculous. Every time you like see a new stat about the home runs he's hit, you're like, oh yeah, no, that's easy. I mean, he hit 37 home runs last year, missed a third of the year. Pretty sure he finished top five in the AL in home runs. Um, And I also want to touch on that point you made about Dominguez. His demeanor, it is special. Like he is, he just seems like he's like he knows what he's doing up there. He he doesn't like not. It's not arrogance. It's I mean, it's almost like there's not a single thought of doubt or insecurity in his head that he can Confidence. perform in any situation. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's been playing baseball at the major league level for ten years. And I love the Bernie comparison because you know I, I know that people, uh, you know, when you when you get the prospect type of, of a guy like Dominguez or any prospect in general, right? You like you think you know can this guy be the next you know Hall of Fame, whatever it may be. If he's Bernie Williams, I don't know if that means he's going to get into the Hall of Fame or not. All I know is that that means I'm going to have a pretty damn good player for <laughs> yeah. the next decade plus. And also in the postseason, I'm going to get some great performances and some big hits. So end of the day, like if you get that Bernie Williams outcome, that's a that's I mean, a home run and a half like that's that would be unbelievable. And this lineup with with a guy like him in the middle there with Judge and hopefully Soto long term. I mean, that's a murderer's row right there. Yeah. You know, Bernie, he's got to be one of my all-time favorites, too. I mean, you think about what he did. I'm surprised he doesn't get more recognition. It's, it goes, you know, core four. I've always felt like it should be core five, and I have T-shirts that say core five. He was up earlier than everybody else, but he kind of ushered in that era of the youth movement. He came up and learned from Don Mattingly and was just a classy guy. And he was a switch-hitting center fielder who hit either third or cleanup for a dynasty. I mean, that's like if you had a dynasty and you didn't put the quarterback in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, he he was a crucial part of that that team. I don't know if you've looked at his numbers or whatever and, and given it any kind of Hall of Fame thought, but do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think the thing that bugs uh, his Hall of Fame case for some voters is the defense. And look, I, I am a big proponent that defense matters 100%. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, maybe Bernie Williams will never be a Hall of Famer. But what you can, what he can say is he has an argument for saying I was the best player on a dynasty. Like, yeah, and that's something that how many players I mean, there's no player in the last 20 years that can say that. Right. So 
Look, is he going to get into the Hall of Fame? I would say probably not. Um, I don't think that the I don't think he's going to get that nod at any point. Do I think he's better than some of the guys in there? Absolutely. Like, uh, no disrespect to Harold Baines. I think Bernie Williams is a better player all the time than Harold Agreed. Baines. Um, you know, is it his like? Is it Bernie's fault the Yankees played him in center all the time, even when he wasn't aging gracefully defensively? No. Uh, could you argue that that's not necessarily his fault and that should not be held against him in Hall of Fame voting? I guess. Uh, but. I don't know, like that. His case is difficult. It, it is like I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a slam dunk guy that it's the worst thing ever they didn't get in. But at the same time, I think he has a very compelling case because, as you mentioned, he was the best player on the last dynasty baseball has seen. And, and again, nobody else can say that right now. Right, and not a lot of guys get their number retired in Monument Park, so at least he's got that. So obviously, we talked about all the great things that the Yankees could do: 50 home runs from Judge and Soto is going to be amazing. But they also have some potential question marks. So what is your biggest worry? What what keeps you up at night? It's John Carlos Stanton. Uh, oh. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, the contract, it's got, like, you don't even look at it and say, all right, you only got two more years. Like, with LeMahieu, it's like, all right, it's three years, $15 million a year left. You know, you can kind of just start putting him to the side if things don't go well. You know, even in the case of a guy like, I mean, even the Aaron Hicks deal that you're eating, it's $10 million and it expires after next year. You're not, it's not killing you. The Stanton deal, it's $22 million towards luxury tax. He got four years left of it. He's played fewer games year after year from 2021 to 2023. The offensive numbers have declined dramatically. How many guys from age 33 to age 34 get healthier and better? Um, I'm not saying it's impossible for him to get better, but a lot of the skill regressions he had last year weren't, oh, it's just bad luck. Oh, he just was dealing with something. He was healthy and just flat out bad at baseball. You know, I, look, I know that we've had conversations about like the value of batting average or not, but if you're hitting 191, your OBP is not going to be good. And if your OBP is right. not going to be good, you need to be slugging like 500. And, and he, that's not happening either. Look, the home run numbers are still pretty and, and that's fine. But if you're not getting on base, you're not able to hit for average and you also do not provide anything on defense. And you're also one of the best, the worst, not the one of the best, one of the worst base runners in baseball. <laughs> It's just like, it's hard for me to sit here and say, oh, he'll be fine. Like a lot of the rebound players have really good projections. Stanton's projections are all, yeah, he's about a sub one war player this year, which it's not good. Like, it's just, I I think, and you mentioned Dominguez coming back. I mean, like what are the odds that Stanton's going to be playing well enough for me to say, yeah, I want him playing over like a healthy Dominguez. I, I don't know, man. I just, I think Stanton's getting in the way more at this point than he is helping the team. And I don't love saying that because I love the guy. Yeah, I, I love him too as a human being. I think he's very accountable. I do think he put the work in this winter. You know, I, th- I thought it was notable that he lost weight, that he's at least trying to get better. But, you know, father time is undefeated, right? And we saw this with uh, A-Rod towards the end of his career. Now, part of that was probably steroid, you know, brought on by steroids and surgeries and things like that. But I think playing on the turf all those years just killed Giancarlo's legs. And I think I think he's just aged prematurely because of that. Unfortunately, that's just a thing that happens to some people, right? So, yeah, I'm worried about him. But my biggest worry is Carlos Rodon. I mean, how can you not be worried when in his last outing, the last thing we saw from him was eight runs and no outs? How can you be comfortable with that his velocity was down I know you're a metrics guy his metrics went way down last year and 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 you can blame it on spring training oh he didn't have this time to get ready he pitched half the season and he had a 6.85 ERA I mean that's almost a touchdown I get that he's lost some weight but you also might remember that CC Sabathia when he took a lot of weight off he lost some of that velocity on the fastball so you know velocity is 
uh, mass times acceleration. So if you don't have as much mass in that equation, the velocity might not be there. I could see him throwing 92 miles an hour this year and getting absolutely lit up, and that will be bad, bad news for the Yankees. For a guy who pretty much throws two pitches, you got to have one of them be an upper 90s fastball. Thoughts on Rodon? Yeah, so, um, you know, to address the first point, you know, the injuries, like, it, the, I, I personally think Rodon's going to have a good year this year. But I also I understand, so. you know, it's like a, if he stays healthy, and, and that hasn't always been there, right? Like, I can't guarantee that his arm's going to hold up. Even the healthiest pitchers in baseball, you can't guarantee that. Sandy Alcantara, it was announced last September he got Tommy John surgery. If you asked me he was the most durable, reliable starter in baseball before the end of last year, I would have said Sandy Alcantara. Elbow injury, shoulder stuff, that stuff can compound. Uh, you know, I think of another guy like Severino. It just randomly stopped happening. The health just, it just never, like, it, it just happens. For sometimes, for some guys, it just never comes back to them, their health. And that could be the case for Rodon. And I already talked about Stan's contract. Like, oh, it's four years. Like, that's not very good at all. Rodon's five years, and it's more money. So, <laughs> yeah. and again, you're already paying Garrett Cole in your rotation. If you want to add another starter, I mean, this is kind of why I think they haven't signed Blake Snell. It's like if they sign Blake Snell, you've got three guys in their 30s making, you know, nearly $30 million a year. Uh, You know, it's not going to be very good if Rodon doesn't pitch well. And to say it's not going to be very good is almost underselling it. Look, I I think and I also I also think it's important to mention. Yeah, I hope he didn't just like drop the weight. I hope he converted like, hey, I, I, I converted some fat into muscle. Because, yeah, if you're a pitcher and you drop, like, just a, a bunch of weight out of nowhere, you might be leaner or in quote-unquote better shape. But as you mentioned, uh, yeah, mass equals gas. Uh, you know, you need to have something on you. Like, you, your lower body, if you're, your lower body has got to – you got to have something on you. That's the best way to put it. Um, you know, I, I remember, like, when I pitched in high school, I was scarfing a granola bar and drinking a whole bottle of water between every single inning, man. Like, you got to – you lose five or six pounds here or there, you lose velocity. And as you mentioned – that fastball isn't dominant. He's going to be very bad this year. And, and I they're, they're going to need the opposite. They're, they're really relying on this guy to be the number two. And, and that comes with question marks. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you guys over there at uh, Fireside Yankees are, are big prospect guys. I, I enjoy watching your prospect videos because you guys, you know, kind of dive deep and, and are realistic with your projections. So are there any prospects that you're kind of keeping an eye on this year that you're feeling particularly good about? Yeah, so my first guy is Will Warren. I think when you look at the Yankees' needs, when you look at the Yankees' farm system, the Yankees are going to need pitching. Like, I, I promise you somebody's going to get hurt. I mean, last year, by this time, Montas had already been, already been announced to, um, you know, have that shoulder injury that basically knocked him out for the whole year. Um, a couple of weeks after that point, or I think it was a month after that point, we found out that Rodon was not going to be ready for opening day because of his back issues, or the forearm strain, excuse me. For Severino, only a couple weeks after that, we found out he was going to miss opening day as well. I believe it was the week before. It was like a tune-up start for Brito uh, that we found that out. So you could lose three starters between now and opening day. Will Warren's going to be important. I I think his stuff is really good. The sinker generates a lot of horizontal movement to the arm side. The sweeper moves uh, equally to the uh, glove side. There's about like 36 to 38 inches of uh, horizontal difference and separation there. He put it the best way uh, for me to explain this. There's a lot of space for hitters to account for. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot to think about. He's added a four-seamer and a cutter uh, last year, and that's going to help him a lot because it's going to help him against uh, left-handed batters who have given him some trouble. He has a better change-up now uh, with the implementation of a better four-seamer and cutter. How everything plays off of each other is just as important as adjusting your pitches. So if you think about how a change-up plays off of a sinker or a four-seamer, understanding sequencing better, I think he's a really interesting guy, and I think he's the the first guy up if the Yankees have a serious injury to their rotation. And the other guy is Ben Rice. Um, You know, we talk about question marks. 
look, I think Anthony Rizzo is going to be a, a good player this year. Or he has the chance to be a good player this year, but um, let's let's be real here. You know, we don't we can't sit here and just say he'll be back from the concussion. As you alluded to, I want to see him hitting the ball hard. I, I 100% agree. Um, and if he's not to where he needs to be, Ben Rice is important. And even if Rizzo's good, if he's not, you know, give him the club option for $20 million good, now Ben Rice is even more important. And look, you can never have enough left-handed hitting if you're New York Yankees. Um, this is a team that has... I mean, they have the biggest left-handed advantage in baseball. Um, so, you know, end of the day, I-, I think Ben Rice and Will Warren, those are the two guys I'm looking at the most. So we got a question. Uh, do you think we'll trade for, for Cease? And I- we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, first, I got to give you my two. So one of them is a newbie, Jorbit uh, Vivas. I really like this guy's swing. I had uh, Kyle Glazer on from Baseball America. He's a kind of a prospect guru, and he had a good look at this guy for a few months last year. He said his swing is basically tailor-made for Yankee Stadium. I agree. He throws the barrel at the ball. I see a little bit of Didi Gregorius in his swing. And we all know what the Yankees turned Didi into before you know he kind of aged out of the shortstop position. Also, Chase Hampton is a guy that he said has, you know, legit solid big league starter, like top half of the rotation type of stuff. I want to see how he approaches major league hitters in spring training. I'm sure he's going to get some innings. I want to see how the the fastball plays. I want to see how the command looks. But he's another guy that I think, you know, look at last year. Brito was the number two starter for the season. We're going to have some injuries. We're going to have guys in and out of the rotation that we didn't expect. I think we're going to see both Warren and Chase Hampton, and we need those guys to show us something this uh, spring. What What are your thoughts on Chase Hampton, by the way? Yeah, I love Chase Hampton. Uh, he's got a really good four-seam fastball, great riding action. I believe it was uh, the pitching coordinator, uh, Sam Brain, who dubbed him Mini Cole. Uh, not to say that he's going to be Garrett Cole in terms of, like, you know, have a Hall of Fame caliber career, but in the sense of power four-seam fastball, uh, last swings and misses, really good sweeper that the Yankees added, a good cutter as well, has a, a curveball he had a great feel of in college, and obviously now that you have two more uh, you know, pitches to play with. You've got a four pitch mix. You've got a good feel for your curveball and your four seamer. You're developing the field, the sweeper and the cutter. And both those pitches performed really well. The biggest change he made from college to the major leagues or minor leagues, excuse me, um, was his strike throwing abilities. He really struggled with command in college. I believe he had like a horrible senior year. Where he just wasn't very good. Um, and his strike throwing abilities have really taken a step forward. And I love that you mentioned Jordan Vivas because he's on the 40 man roster. He's an infielder. Again, guys could get hurt. It's he's not even play. saying. Yeah, he's going to play left-handed, and yeah, his swing, I love looking at his swing. There's like this one clip that I saw on his swing, man. It's just, it, he looks like he'd be a fun player, too. Like, I feel like he hits a home run, and I'm going to have fun watching him hit that home run. I think I've got some footage on of him somewhere on this uh, on this reel, so we might we might see him pop up here. Let's see here. It's probably near the back. Uh, oh, well, anyway, it's on there. It'll come around. But yeah, I think he's going to, I think he's going to definitely play a, play a role uh, do you have a sleeper pick as to who could be kind of a guy who steps up that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about, you know, like a Verdugo or a Cortez or, a, you know, somebody like that? Yeah, so my sleeper pick is actually going to be, I- I'm not saying that he's going to have a great year, just that he's going to help the team. Um, I think Luis Hill is going to be a big contributor, at least on the pitching side of things. I, when you look at what he did at the major league level when he was healthy, right? Um, You know, he was a solid spot starter. He made a couple appearances, looked really good sometimes. Didn't look so good in other stretches, but I don't think the Yankees are going to force him to be like, a, all right, you've got to give us five, six innings every time. They can make him, uh, you know, kind of two or three innings here, you know, an inning there, you know, kind of use him in a versatile role. He's got great stuff. There's never been any denial of that. Uh, you know, not having to be a traditional starter also means that the need for a third pitch isn't as um, dramatic. And if he were to add a third pitch, 
the cutter kind of makes sense for him, right? Like he, he throws a four seamer. Sometimes he gets cut on the pitch. It moves to the glove side instead of the arm side, like most four seamers do. His slider naturally gets a lot of good horizontal movement. He throws it pretty hard for a slider that gets as much horizontal movement as it does. A cutter kind of blends those movement profiles pretty well. And if you think about the movement of a cutter, it's a bullet spinning pitch. I mean, it's supposed, it's going to stay pretty straight. Um, and, and that's good for command. Like it's an easy pitch to throw for a strike. It just right. kind of makes sense for him. How many innings he'll give you this year? That's obviously a big question mark. Um, but I, I feel like in the, in the mix of all these prospects, we kind of forget that two years ago, after two of those, the first two starts he made in 2021, it was kind of like, all right, is Luis Hill the next guy up? And it, that Tommy Johnson just kind of knocked him out. And it's not like he was a bust. It, he just got hurt, right? Like, I don't know if you can hold that against him from a sense of he's not going to be good because he got hurt. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys come back from Tommy John and, and look pretty good. So I, I think he's a sleeper pick. I think he gets overlooked in the wave of really good prospects he's had kind of come up through the last few years. On this channel, we call him Luis the Real Deal Heel. So I love his arm action. He's just got such a, like a long arm, big long fingers. Like he's got the prototypical pitcher's frame. And 98, 99, 100 miles an hour gas. Look, I mean, if he can harness it, he's got the stuff. So yeah, I believe he. I believe he will impact the team. Uh, this is a guy. My pick is a guy that I'm. I'm just choosing to believe because I think. It would be good for the Yankees. Like, I have no reason to believe this will work out, but Oswaldo Cabrera is my sleeper pick. So when he got called up a couple of years ago, you remember, he was outstanding in right field. I mean, he was getting big hits. He had a home run in the playoffs. And last year, he led the team in home runs in spring training, and I feel like he got into home run mode. Like, he was trying to open up his hips and launch everything, and he got away from the hitter that he was the previous year, where he was driving the ball wherever it was pitched. And, you know, we didn't have a, a hitting coach that was able to correct that, right? And, you know, uh, Dylan Lawson, for all the things he did for the Yankees in the minor leagues, he wasn't able to communicate it to the big leaguers on the big league level. So I think that him working with Aaron Judge, working with Glaber Torres this winter, maybe learning from two of the most consistent hitters on the team and say, and recognizing, hey, if I don't do it offensively this year, I might not get another shot again. So while other guys are playing for a contract, he's playing for a career, you know, because if you hit as poorly as he hit last year again, pretty soon you turn into Tyler Wade, Steven Drew, like you, you're gone. So I think he's going to bounce back as a switch hitter, a guy who can play multiple positions. I think he's got a chance to have a big impact on the team. Uh, any thoughts on Oswaldo? Yeah, I loved Oswaldo when he came up, man. Like, I, I was like, that that was my guy. I mean, I, he's he's a ton of fun. Again, a switch hitter, right? Like, you, you kind of think that, especially at 2022 team, he really started playing when Benatendi went down. So there was no Carpenter, no Benatendi. It was kind of like, all right, this team is, like, extremely right-handed again. It's nice to have somebody who isn't right-handed. Um, and, and seeing him fall apart this year was just kind of like, it almost felt like an embodiment of the 2023 team. They went from this fun, like, all right, they had a fun year in 2022 wasn't a fun ending. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you know, 2023, it's like, all right, let's, let's just, you know, try to hope, you know, add Rodon. Let's see if things go well. Cabrera slumps. He's gone at times. And then it's like, all right, yeah, this team stinks. and It's not fun to watch. Uh, but you know, James Rosen, I think he's going to be a difference maker for some of the younger guys, because I think he's a nice blend between, you know, having a, a modern philosophy. Sure. Um, but also just being able to connect to players. A lot of players have had really good things to say about him. He's kind of the type of guy to, you know, it, I guess, empower the players, the, the best way to put it. And at the end of the day, like, these are work relationships. These aren't, you know, like, I, I feel like fans kind of 
forget that. This is a work relationship. Nobody wants to work with or for somebody that doesn't empower them and that makes them feel like they're incapable or they're inadequate. Having somebody who's like always got your back, you know, obviously you want to be held accountable as well. You don't want just somebody to be like, it's fine that you're hitting, you know, 200 and you haven't got hit a home run in two months. You know, like nobody wants that kind of guy being their hitting coach, but it's a blend. It's a balance. And I think that's kind of the the word to use for the guys the Yankees have brought in, you know, balance, right? You want to have that fine line between accountability, empowerment. I know players nowadays, like they're not going to just let their coach chew them out, you know, in public and be fine with it, right? Like they have social media. They can, they can air out these grievances. Right. It's a different era of sports. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, and I think it's just important though, to have somebody who I just think Rose is going to be a better communicator than, than Lawson was. And I think he's a little more equipped for a modern hitting coach role than Casey was. Casey was just kind of thrown to the fire. Like, Hey, come from LB network and just go, go, go fix the offense, man. He was Aaron Boone's friend. He was Aaron yeah, Boone's friend. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel bad too, because like, I, I mean, I, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. The players seem to really like him. I don't think yeah. he's a bad dude I, at all. Like I think judge was even on his uh, podcast recently. He just kind of got thrown into the worst situation possible and was told to fix an offense and kind of implement a hitting philosophy in like half a year on a contract year. It was just a weird situation. It's nice yeah. to have consistency there. So you and I had a little back and forth last year about Clark Schmidt. We got to talk about Clark Schmidt. I know you're very high on him as a pitcher and the metrics uh, and I'll put up the metrics for the folks uh, who are watching on YouTube, uh, they were okay, some of them. Uh, I think they definitely took a step back later in the season from where they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, but, you know, I felt like he was a guy who didn't go deep enough into games, uh, really was missing a pitch to get guys that third trip through the order. And to me, he was like Blake Snell with less strikeouts, right? Five innings and fly, but with less less swing and misses. Although he does have some swing and miss stuff, good curveball and so forth. But uh, yeah, give me your breakdown on Clark Schmidt. How are you feeling about him this year? Yeah, so um, first and foremost, I think that the biggest thing to look at with Clark Schmidt, as you mentioned, is like, hey, how how was he reacting to going deeper into games? And I don't think he made the progressions that you hoped he would, right? Like, I, I think that last year was kind of like, okay, like you made 30 starts, that's good, but the 30 starts, it wasn't anything where you sit back and go, oh, these numbers really pop, right? Like typically when you see a guy with like a not great ERA, they're young, you're like, okay, but the strikeout numbers are really good or whatever. The strikeout numbers weren't very good. The sweeper actually got worse. Like those are legitimate concerns. The velocity got worse throughout the season. You hope that those things kind of come back to him and sustain throughout the year. And if they do, I, I do believe in terms of like sequencing and poise as a starter, those skills progress a little bit. But if the velocity starts tailing again, I'm not so sure he's going to have a future as a starter. Uh, and, and, and you know, again, like they have Warren coming up. They have Hampton coming up. You know, it, it's it's almost cutthroat. But the Yankees are just going to go to the guys that they, they know the next guy up, right? We right. see guys fall in and out of favor. I mean, at the end of the 2022 season, how Steinbrenner was talking about, you know, we envision Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza being the middle infielder of the future. And now it's like, is Oswald Peraza ever going to play for the Yankees? They don't seem to really like him. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, the Yankees are very much, uh, you know, you fall in and fall out of favor as, you know, pretty quickly. So there's a lot of pressure on Schmidt this year. Um, you know, yeah, he made 30 starts. Again, that's really good. But as you mentioned, doesn't pitch deep enough into games. That has to get better. Um, and then, again, like on a start-to-start basis, consistency and quality, right? Like the ERA has to be better. The strikeout numbers have to be better. Gives up uh, too much hard contact. Uh, there's a lot of things that are just weren't great. Look, it is his first full season starting. He hadn't even gotten a full year starting at the minor league level. Constantly hurt. That's also another question mark. Like, he has a very not great injury history at the minor league level. So, you have to factor that in as well. He's certainly a guy that, like, 
you know, halfway through the year, I'm going to look at it and say, if you're not performing well, either A, I want the team to trade for a replacement or B, hey, I'll take a look at Will Warren. Let me get a look at Chase Hampton or whoever it may be. Um, that's next guy up, I guess, in the farm system. Yeah, I could definitely see him slotting in as a nice middle relief p- uh, pitcher for the Yankees, too, if it doesn't work out. So Dylan Cease is somebody that the Yankees have been connected to. Uh, the White Sox apparently asking for Spencer Jones, among others. To me, that's a non-starter. Given that acquiring Cease would probably force Schmidt to the bullpen, uh, so would uh, uh, Blake Snell signing him. Uh, you know, how do you feel about Cease and Snell? I guess at the right price. Yeah, so at the right price, absolutely. Like, don't get me wrong, the Yankees could definitely use more starting pitching. And I personally believe starting pitching has such a big impact in the postseason. I mean, if you are matching up in a playoff series, you think game one, game two, game three, and you've got, you know, Cole, and then right after that, you've got like Blake Snell or Dylan Cease. You expect to win two the first two games of that series, and then you get a chance to repeat with Cole in that series. That's You kind of set yourself up to be able to win three of the five games or in a four a seven-game series, four of the seven. Uh, but my, my big thing here with Dylan Cease is I kind of want to see him pitch this year before I uh, you know <laughs> trade with away with what it takes. His ERA was worse than league average. Strikeout rate plummeted. Whiff rate plummeted. Or not plummeted. That's a little bit of exaggeration. They got worse. Chase rates pl- uh, got worse. He got hit a lot harder too. Like that's a little bit concerning to me. He just got worse. And seeing the pitch clock implemented and seeing him lose a little bit of velocity and pitch movement it's kind of like, all right, you know, like, how am I going to sit here and, you know, say I want to trade everything in the world for him? But with that being said, if the Yankees, they scouted him in the White Sox, they have their, you know, internal metrics as well, and the Yankees view him as somebody who's going to rebound velocity-wise, I don't see a reason not to go out and get him and, and pay the price it takes. I just think it's a, a, a deadline thing if they were to do that. In Blake Snell's case, is he a five-and-dive guy? Sure. But, man, is he damn good. Again, yeah, like he's inconsistent. Sure, there, there are some things. There, there are some warts. Both Cease and Snell have warts. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend they're not upgrades. Like, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and pretend they don't make the team better. I think there's a fine line between, hey, they're, they're, they are going for more than what I'm willing to give up. And, oh, these are bad pitchers. I feel like social media kind of like it, it, it's almost in it's almost fueled the idea of just like have agendas for or against people. Uh, Blake Snell and Dylan Cease are really good pitchers, and next year they're going or this upcoming season they're going to contend for Cy Young awards, and they're going to you know contend for All Star appearances, and they're going to help any team that they go on. Uh, I'm just I understand at the same time uh, not paying the price for them. It, I, I know I'm kind of fence sitting here, but yeah, that's okay. We can sit on fences around here. The uh, you know when I think about Blake Snell asking for reportedly 270 million, I find that hilarious because he's not going to get anywhere near that. But I consider a one-year deal, and I think, you know, if I throw $40 million, I push all my chips in for this year, he might just consider taking that because he's still young enough where he could get it. He has another big year. Somebody's going to give him a big contract. Now, I'm going to uh, throw a hot take here. If he was like, hey, give me one year $50 million, I would do that too. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Hal would do it. Like, I understand, yeah. like, there, it would be <laughs> double. I think it's also double. Like, it would actually be like $100 million of, of, of like, because he's over the cap, yeah, 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 yeah. So I understand that, but like, if we just remove the context of finances in the sense of like the luxury tax and all that stuff, and he was like, "Hey, like, I will do one year fifty million dollars," I'd be like, "Come on board!" Like, I again from from your like as you alluded to, like the Yankees, they need starting pitching, man. Like, I I'm gonna be honest with you, guys can get hurt, right? Like, you don't know what happens. Uh, it's yeah. kind of good these guys are free agents because if somebody gets hurt, man, you could kind of pivot a little bit. Hopefully, I don't know. I. I just I'm always going to be a little shaky with pitching at like long term investments or even just health in general because it, all it takes is oh I threw my slider wrong I just tore my UCL like yeah. it's as simple as that people don't like I people don't really think about it it's it's dark to think about but 
you're one pitch away. Like you're always one pitch away. It's a scary thing to think about, but it's true. That same fear with injury doesn't really exist for hitters. Not saying they can't be injury prone, but it's not as quick and, and you're gone for a year. Stan, he's injury prone, sure. But it's like, all right, but he'll be back in a month. We'll be back in two months, whatever it may be. But the pitcher, it's like, they're hurt. They're done for a month and they got to build up for a month and they got to adjust the mound at the major league level. Look at Rodon last year. It was like, all right, he'll come back and we'll get a great second half addition. And then he stunk. Like I, pitchers are scary business, man. And having as many of them as possible, I can help you in a rotation. I don't care. Like people are like, what about a spot for Schmidt? What about a spot for Cortez? I don't care. You just get as many pitchers as possible. That's the answer. Everyone's talking about like spots for players, man. I mean, all these depth guys, these these guys are going to come off the bench. They're going to play anyways because guys are going to get hurt. I mean, Jake yeah. Bowers, Billy McKinney, Frankie Cordero, Willie Calhoun. Like, these were frequented players of the Yankees last year. Pereira was rushed up. You know, Wells, Dominguez. I don't think the Yankees plan on calling these guys up at the end of the year when they open the season. That kind of stuff just happens. They had 2,300 IL days. No one, There's no reason why it can't happen again. There's also no reason why you should expect it to happen. It kind of goes both ways. But I mean, these guys are gonna guys are gonna get hurt. There's no such thing as too many good players. I, I don't understand right. that concept. <laughs> so I got to give a shout out, Super Dodo from uh, Richard K here. Big fan of both of our channels. So thanks for that. All right. So you just mentioned injuries, and we got two uh, questions left here. Two topics left. You good on time? We're a little bit over what we said, but uh, okay, cool. So you can wave a magic wand and guarantee that one player stays healthy. Everyone else is a roll of the dice. Who are you using your magic on? I'm rolling on Carlos Rodon. We need starting pitching. Like, I'll roll it on him. If Stan gets hurt, man, Dominguez will be around at some point. Like, Grisham can play some center field before he gets back. You could find hitters. Like, look, I'm not saying that, you know, hitting is the easiest thing to find in the world, but you can find some left-handed hitter to, to add to your lineup. It, it, the deadline's a little more forgiving in that in the hitting sense, not as much in the pitching sense. Um, so, yeah, it's it's Rodon. Very, very, very quickly Rodon. <laughs> yeah. You know, last year I asked this question. I forget who I had on, but you know, we talked about uh, you know whether Garrett Cole or Aaron Judge. I mean, because of their numbers, if you get a full season out of them, it's uh, it's a lock that they're going to have great years. So, do you use the magic on a sure thing, great season, or do you gamble on those guys? I'm a bit of a gamble, a bit of, uh, a bit of a gambling man, rather, uh, kind of like Kenny Rogers, not the pitcher, the singer. Um, so. I'm not sure, like you said, John Carlo can hit anymore, so I'm not going to waste it on him. And, you know, Rodone is is obviously a great choice, but I'm going to go with Anthony Rizzo because I need somebody to drive in the two 400 on-base percentage guys that we have in the top three of the lineup, which is, that sounds phenomenal to me. Uh, and if he's, if he's, we saw what he was before he got hurt. He was benefiting from the shift uh, going away, and he, he was, I mean, he was, his typical all-star caliber guy. And then he just fell off the face of the earth. We need him to bounce back. I actually love Anthony Rizzo. Like, I think like that when he's hitting well, man, like even 2022, he got so underappreciated that year. He had a pretty good postseason too. He had some pretty big home runs, especially in the ALDS. You think game one, that home run that kind of put the game away. Yeah. He's a guy who doesn't strike out a ton. He hits the ball in the air a lot, which is perfect for Yankee Stadium because he's left-handed. Um, he has good at bats. Like you hit him. If you can hit him, you know, after a guy like Judge or, you know, you're hitting him. I, I mean, I'm assuming Judge is hitting third and Soto's hitting second and LeMay is hitting first. Uh, if you have him hitting fourth, and as you mentioned, he's cleaning up the guys. If Rizzo and Glaber can kind of evenly put up some pretty good numbers together, you've got your, like, your compliment. Rizzo's your compliment to Soto as your second best left-handed hitter. Glaber's your compliment to Judge as your second best right-handed hitter. Um, those two guys can certainly change a lot. And again, Rizzo, 
he's he's a left-handed hitter. Like I mean, I I, I don't I know that I'm kind of I don't know if I'm overly emphasizing it, but I just look at the numbers against right-handed pitching uh, last year for the Yankees. I don't think I'm overemphasizing it too much. They need a lot of their lefties to be good this year, and Rizzo's certainly the guy that I'm looking at and saying he could hit 33 home runs this year or something like that. Like he could hit 33 yeah. home runs, give you a 360 OBP, and man, that's huge. That's that's game changing, man. That changes everything. That's got to be a hundred ribbies with the the top of the lineup that we have, you know. So and last year we didn't have anybody who approached a hundred ribbies. So, all right, final projection, uh, Yankees twenty twenty four record. Going to put you on the spot. What you got? Okay, so I think the Yankees will win around 93, 94 games. I'll be a little bit optimistic. Oh, 94. Um, and, I, like, I'm, I'm going to be bold here, man. Look, the Yankees, they, you're either, you know, you're, you're going all in. You're, you're going to have a year like this. I imagine that their deadline will reflect their um, aggressive approach. The New York Yankees will be your 2024 World Series champions. Oh, I'm wow. going to put that out there. I've never predicted them to win the World Series out of fear of sounding like a homer, but dude, I don't care anymore. I, I like, I'll go down swinging with this team. Juan Soto's on the New York Yankees. I kind of swore myself to a life of not complaining until the games begin <laughs> uh, after they traded Soto. And I'm going to stick to it, man. I think they will win the World Series this year. Uh, will they beat the Dodgers? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do world. Se- I can do a world series match if you want. I, I think maybe, the- yeah. I think the Braves get out of the NL. I think the Braves are really good. And you know, I think the, the Braves are better than the Dodgers. Dodgers have a lot of p- question marks in that pitching staff, man. Yeah. Projections would agree with you. They think the Braves are better. I think the Braves are kind of like the safest. They got a bunch of young players. They're all durable. They all play a ton. They play in a division that you can kind of hand to them as well. They're clearly better than everybody else in that division. The NL is pretty top heavy. It's the Dodgers, the Braves, the Phillies have beaten the Braves two years in a row. So you kind of have to give them the respect, but you don't look at their roster and give them the same, you know, roster quality of the Braves, the Dodgers. Um, and the Dodgers are probably like, there's going to be some like 84 win NL central team, yeah. power of friendship type team that knocks out the Dodge in the first round. It, yeah. it just, it's, it's inevitability, man. Well, all right. So first of all, Yankees winning the world series. I'll take it. I like it. And second of all, does it make me a bad sport to hope that Yamamoto puts up a five ERA this year? I just kind of want that to happen. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I don't think it makes you a bad sport. I, I'm not saying I, I love Yamamoto. Like, he seems like a great guy. Don't get me wrong. Um, But, like, dude, I just – I don't I, – I there's something that bugs me about this idea that the Dodgers are the cream of the crop when it comes to baseball teams. We're the goddamn New York Yankees. Like, right. I, I mean, we're the pinstripes. There's 27 rings here. Like, I'm not going to, like, crown an organization because they won one title in, like, 30 years. Like, I think they're a great organization. I actually think they're the best. Like, they're in terms of process, all that stuff. But – I want the glamour and the glitz and the praise to come to New York. Look, I might sound like a jealous, bitter Yankee fan. I don't care. I'm accustomed to being the team that everybody hates. I want everybody to hate us again. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, I feel bad for Yankee fans. Like, no, I don't want your pity. Hate me. What are you talking about? Like, I want the Yankees to win the World Series, give some obnoxiously large contract to Juan Soto, and for at least one winter, we just got to get to lord over the league and and act like we're the Yankees again. You know what I'm saying? I, I want that arrogance back. I think that's the one thing that's missing from the Yankees. They're just, like, it's it's humble, and, like, I don't like that. I don't know. No. Yeah. That would be a fun winter. I, I, I've experienced it five times. It's great. Uh, I used to, when I was in middle school, the Yankees won their first World Series of my lifetime, 96. The kid who sat next to me in all my classes, just because of the way the, the alphabet was, this kid named Tony, and he was a huge Braves fan. And I got to just stick it to him all winter. It was great. Um, so I'm going to say 96 and 66. I think last year was kind of an anomaly with the amount of injuries. Obviously, they've had injuries in, in, 
in recent years, but everybody got hurt. I think just subtracting a horrible season from Luis Severino helps. Rodon can't possibly be that bad because if he is again, they're not going to keep pitching him. And look, I've got him going to the ALCS again. I got Baltimore beating him. I think Corbin Burns puts him over the top. But if the Yankees go out and get snow, who knows? But right now I got him going to the ALCS and dropping it to the Orioles. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, guys. I want, I, I'm not going to lie. I really want us to stick it to Baltimore this year. I don't know what it is. Like Everyone's like, oh, you have to love these young, fun teams. No, I don't. Like Everyone's like, you have to feel so bad for them. I don't. What do you mean feel bad for them? I right. don't. I'm sorry. I don't. They're in my division. I don't like them. Like Everyone's like, oh, this Orioles team, they're so fun and likable. I'm like, no, I hope they get swept. I, I hope they right. get knocked out in the first round. I mean, I saw Yankee fans rooting for them to beat the Rangers. When the Rangers swept them, I'm not saying I was celebrating, but I was like, all right, the Orioles didn't win a playoff game even. Like when the Blue Jays get knocked down <laughs> in the first round, man, it's the funniest thing ever. When the Rays get knocked down the first round, I mean, could you imagine being one of the Yankee fans rooting for the Astros to lose to the Red Sox in 2021? Good Lord. Look, I don't care how many times the Astros beat us, AL East, at least the Red Sox. You know, like I'm always going to not like my AL East rivals. Maybe it comes off as a hater. Honestly, I'm just going to go this far. If you're not the New York Yankees, I don't need a reason. I don't see a reason to root for you. There are 29 teams out there that I don't like. That's that's the best way to put it. There are 29 teams that don't want the Yankees to win the World Series. I don't have to like them back. I mean, how do you think those other 29 teams feel about us? They don't go back. They all hate us. Everybody hates us. In 2017, do you think they're like, oh, my gosh, we feel so bad for the Yankees. They hadn't won a World Series in like eight years at that point. Oh, my God. They're so fun and young. They're like, oh, it's the Yankees. Ill. Like, uh, yeah. One time in my life, can I remember – the general baseball consensus rooting for the Yankees, and that was after 9-11. Uh, so, and it didn't it didn't work out. Uh, Pablo Reyes doesn't like my prediction. He says, pain. And you don't know what pain is! Ryan Garcia of Fireside Yankees. Any final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts? Well, first off, I just want to thank you uh, for bringing me on because I had a ton of fun on this show. This is oh, great. Blast, love the sound bites, dude. They're awesome. I love those. Uh, <laughs> and my other final thought is, you know, this year is going to be like a pretty big year for the Yankees. I mean, if they don't win the World Series, not that everything falls apart. They have a pretty young group of prospects that you hope come up and take steps forward. And if they show positive signs, they'll feel good about the team going forward. And, you know, if they bring back Soto, all that stuff. But, I mean, we don't know if we're going to have Soto after this year. Kind of just take it in. Enjoy the fact he's on the team this year. Judge and Soto, there are very few times in our lifetime that we see, you know, the best right-handed hitter in baseball and arguably the best left-handed hitter in baseball play for the same team. You're going to get – and look, we don't know how many years Judge is going to be completely healthy and and the best player in the world kind of stuff. Uh, We don't know how many years we're going to see Garrett Cole, you know, go out and compete for a Cy Young. We've got an array of, you know, really good players in their prime. If it pans out, it pans out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not saying you can't be mad if it doesn't, but – Juan Soto is here for at least one year. We only get that one yeah. year for now. Just enjoy it, guys. I mean, he's he's on our baseball team. It's it's harder to say anything else. I'm going to give the final word to Naz Levy. Says, never forget, even our announcer, Jeff Nelson, was out with a voice injury, leaving Ryan Rucco alone to call the game. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got Eric Kratz coming on Thursday at 730 uh, and then lots of great content this year. Let's get a round of applause for my man, Ryan Garcia. Appreciate it, dude. And we will see you next time.